Philippines. 260 euros for a pair of Crocs, man. Those shoes pretty much broke my foot. It's only going downhill from here. What up, guys? This is Josh. And this is Fobbs. And this is the Kickback Pod. Yo, 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 what is up? We are back. Kickback Pod back for the last podcast of the year 2022 and it's probably one of your most anticipated pods of the year because we are counting down the best sneakers of the year so far you guys might have already if you've been following my youtube channel you might have already seen my list for the year uh well you're gonna hear my list again but you're also gonna hear my man fobs's list and uh, we're also gonna be throwing in a lot of honorable mentions in there as well how you doing my man I'm good. I'm good. I'm super excited for this episode. Super excited to be talking to you again across the Atlantic um, since you're still in Canada. And like I was, you know, saying um, to you earlier, I think that these kinds of episodes are always everyone's favorite, right? Because everyone wants to share their opinion on what was the best brand, what was the best release, what were the top five sneakers of the year. And around this time of year, I really love just browsing all the blogs, whether it's Complex, Hype Beast, Sneaker Freaker, High Somebody, and seeing what they have picked in their top tens. And then, of course, I'm super excited to share my top five as well as hear your top five. But before we get into the sneakers... How have you been, man? You're still in Canada. Any big news you want to share? Yeah, yeah. So definitely some big news uh, for me. I did actually get engaged over the last couple of weeks since the last pod. Uh, shout out to my lovely, I guess she's my fiance now. Shout out to Diana. Uh, thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for uh, saying yes. Thank you for uh, yeah, just being in my life. Love you very much. Uh, she doesn't actually listen to the pod though. So <laughs> I was about to say <laughs> she's, she's, uh, she, she's not hearing this, but yeah, I was super happy about it. She was incredibly happy, had tears coming down her eyes and it was, it was just a very, very special moment for us. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was definitely big news. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit late to the party, man. You, 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 you proposed last year. Um, you already married, so you know, just following in your footsteps, man. <laughs> no, but that's beautiful. I love to see it, and um, I know that you told me the story behind the uh, the proposal and where you did it was a very special location for the both of you. It was, you know, um, I mean, I guess I'll let you tell the story if you want to, but I think it's beautiful, and I just want to say congratulations at this point and welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I did. I actually did propose at uh, the same bus stop where we met. Uh, yeah, I did actually meet my girlfriend many years ago while waiting for a bus, and I just walked up to her, talked to her. Turned out she was the perfect partner all along. So fate brought us together. I thought it was the only perfect place to propose to her, which was at the same bus stop where we met. And uh, yeah, it was it was great, man. It 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 was awesome. I'm very very happy right now. That's very nice. Very yeah. nice to hear. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I'm still in Canada for a few more days. I was here for Christmas. We'll be leaving on New Year's Day back to Berlin, so I'm only here for a couple more days. And uh, yeah, I witnessed <laughs> while I was here. Actually, I witnessed like one of the biggest storms that has ever hit like Northeast America. 
um, uh, it wasn't so bad in Toronto, but um, like if you were in New York, if you were in Buffalo, I heard it was like double the previous record for the amount of snow you guys got. So I was here for that. So that was kind of crazy. And it, it was just like two days before Christmas. So it was like the whitest of white Christmases because it was there was so much snow. So it was kind of beautiful to see. I haven't had a white Christmas in a very long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, did you... Did you get any like anything sneaker related for Christmas? Nothing sneaker related. I got like a really cool experience too. So um, I'm going to be on parental leave for three months this year and we're going to Bali for a month. And my wife gave me a like a voucher for canyoning, which is basically like you go through these canyons and riverbeds and like you jump off waterfalls and you like um, climb down waterfalls and mountains and stuff like that and you're like hooked into this harness basically and there's like flying fox and all that kind of stuff so it's it's super cool i love that adventure stuff but um now my my christmas was pretty low-key uh it was just my son my wife and i in berlin and it most definitely was not a white christmas we were hoping for a white christmas but it turned out to be a very wet and gray christmas i think a berlin (laughs) special i would call it um but yeah what about you what'd you get uh, well, I actually did gift myself. So, I, I mean, we can already move into latest pickups because this was the only thing I picked up. Uh, only sneakers, I guess, I picked up on this entire trip. I walked into the Adidas store, bought myself a pair of Sambas. So, first of all, the entire store was 50% off, which is crazy. So, literally everything in the store was 50% off. I see some Sambas on the wall. I grabbed myself a pair. I got myself the vegan Sambas. Uh, Not necessarily because, like, I was particularly looking for the vegan shoes. That was, like, the only ones they had in the shop in my size. And then I also picked up my girlfriend a pair of Sambas for Christmas. And it's actually crazy to me that Adidas Sambas are a lot cheaper in Canada than they are in Germany. And you would think it's the other way around because it's, like, a German company. I know it's not manufactured there, but I, I, I just figured it would be cheaper. But, like, I, after the discounts, I ended up paying about 35 euros each. Damn, for that's my nothing. No, it's super cheap. So, um, very happy with that. Um, yeah, I picked up this, like, black colorway with, like, a white mudguard. So, it has, like, a bit of contrast. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm happy, man, because I've been looking for just, like, a regular pair of Sambas in my size. Is like fully sold out on the Adidas website. So, yeah, I'm very happy to pick those up. Any pickups for you? No sneaker pickups. I've been, as I said, I'm going to be on parental leave for a few months and will be traveling Southeast Asia, going home to visit my dad and friends in Thailand, spending some time in Bali, chilling on the islands. And obviously, it's going to be real hot there. So, I have realize that i have a severe lack in shorts in my wardrobe i do not have any good shorts so i've bought like three or four pairs of shorts um, in preparation for the trip and very very excited about that and i also got a north face bucket hat because you know gotta protect your neck um don't want to get a sunburn look at this guy <laughs> exactly so i've been splurging on this like beach stuff yeah You're man. buying beach stuff in december man like Stop making me jealous. Well, I mean, that's a good thing, right? Because they're all on discount right now, uh, at least in Europe. That's true. So I'm getting all of this stuff for 50, 60, sometimes even 70% off, which is, you know, a pretty good deal, I would say. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Nice man. So uh, yeah, so you'll be in you'll be in Thailand starting in February. Uh, we got a couple more pods uh, until then. So actually, towards the end of this pod, we'll get into you know some of the things to maybe expect from the Kickback Pod next year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, before we get into that, listener of the week, let's shout out our uh, this week's listener of the week, who is at starts at your feet great ig name by the way and uh yeah shout out to you for uh uh, listening to the pod continuously so thank you man and we can now get into what we have been wearing over the last couple of weeks no changes for me so i'm still in canada so i mentioned the last pod i only brought two pairs of shoes with me one was the lost and found the second was the protection pack gray i'm also happy to say that i did not crease my lost and founds at all when i did the proposal so yeah man just and just in case you guys are wondering it was increased did you like take them off or what did you do no i just like i didn't i just didn't like i I practiced man i practiced in the mirror a couple (laughs) times like like actually like you know bending the knee and not you know like bending your toe like of the of the leg that's like on the ground <laughs> i don't know how to explain it properly um yeah i just made sure my feet were like kind of flat so they weren't like you know getting squeezed in and getting creased up um yeah so no, no creases to report on the lost and founds very nice very nice um and what so you've been wearing i have been wearing my new balance 990 v5s quite a lot as well as my um joe Freshgood. New Balance 990 V3s because on the one side, the weather's been pretty crap in Berlin, so the V5s are basically my daily beaters. I've been wearing those when it's been raining, when it's been wet out, when you know I just had to throw something on. And then I've been wearing the Joe Fresh Goods V3s when the weather's been a little bit better and I wanted to inject you know a pop of color into my fit because I've been basically living in black sweatpants and uh, you know, solid colored t-shirts and hoodies. So, um, the contrast was a welcome contrast. And obviously as everyone knows by now, listening to this pod, following us and and myself on Instagram, I'm a huge sucker for new balance. I'm a huge sucker for the 990 because it's so comfortable. And those two shoes are basically, you know, some of my most worn shoes this year. So yeah, very, very happy with those over the last couple of weeks. I think we might get into one of those too later on when we start getting into the uh, the list for 2022. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, we might as well actually just get into the list. So uh, instead of doing a top 10 in the interest of time, uh, basically me and Fobs narrow down our list to just a top five and we'll go through our top five. But of course, there's been, you know, it, it's been really difficult to narrow down the list this year. I don't know about you, but... Have you noticed that this year there wasn't like a clear cut number one? I feel like so many shoes could have been number one this year. Like uh, last year for me, easily I thought the protection pack was undisputed. It was the number one sneaker of the year. And uh, a lot of the sneaker blogs seem to agree with us uh, on that take. Um, But uh, this year it seems like it's kind of all over the place, you know, like what... Like, what did you notice when putting this list together? Was it a bit more difficult than previous years? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we spoke about it on the last episode where we talked about a lot of the trends and the fact that, you know, the fact that there wasn't one huge trend this year, what that was basically a trend, right? That a lot of generally sneakers were doing well, a lot of different types of brands. And I had a tough time in the beginning putting together this list, but then I... So my list is more of, this is a very personal top five. And I would, I mean, obviously everyone's top five is personal, but I didn't really go for this sneaker was the most popular sneaker or this sneaker sold the most or this sneaker is selling for the most on the resale market. Because I think that's a totally valid way of looking at your top list. But to make it easier for me, because I felt like those questions or those categories were too difficult to pin down for me this year, was uh, to make it easier for me, I basically said, what did I like the most? What did I want the most? What did I buy and wear the most? What was I most excited about personally? And then I picked those five shoes and basically have a reason for picking each of those, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think... You, I think that approach is solid. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a look at your list. It's definitely, I can tell these are shoes you genuinely love. So, and I think that's how it should be. Uh, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense if you're like a huge sneaker publication to produce a list that is more, I guess, um, more of like an audience choice of the of the top five, but uh, or your reader's choice. But I think um, we kept our lists quite. <coughs> Excuse me. We kept our list um, quite personal, which is quite nice. Um, all right, so let's get into honorable mentions. So um, when I did my YouTube video, I noticed that uh, I got a couple comments talking about why I didn't mention any Nike SB Dunks at all. And uh, honestly, uh, so first of all, I'm not like the biggest Nike SB guy, uh, but also like I didn't really think anything necessarily stood out like incredibly for me to actually put it onto the list. Uh, but if I were to mention one, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Dunk SB Paisley. I thought that was like a really, really nice looking shoe and nice concept. I thought it was cool how you can tear away the upper as well. And it's just a very nice colorway. So shout out to the Dunk SB Paisley that had to make my list. Um, some other honorable mentions. Uh, I thought it was a huge year of for Solomon and my favorite Solomon sneaker was the uh, the ACS Pro Advanced. Uh, I just thought that was like it, it's a great shoe because it looks futuristic, very futuristic. While at the same time, I think it just looks great on feet, no matter what colorway you throw on it. I know people are quite split on that shoe, but I like it quite a lot. Uh, some other honorable mentions for sure: uh, the Wales Bonner Sambas. They they did definitely make my top ten, not the top five. And I'm mentioning this shoe because I felt like it was a huge year for the Adidas Samba. And this was the collab, I think, that kind of kick-started that whole uh, wave. Uh, you want to maybe go through some honorable mentions as well uh, while I think of a few more? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to rattle off some because there were so many. We talked about it last episode, the Amma Manier Air Jordan 4s. You know, say what you want about the release. I think that the shoe is dope. I think that... The reception was big for this shoe as well. You've got the Jound A6 Gel Kayano 14s, the Orange Lobster Concepts, uh, Nike SB Dunk Low, which 
you know, here at, at this point is an SB dunk, a New Balance Teddy Santis, basically anything he touched, the whole 990, whether it's a V2, a V1, a V3, a V4, V5, whatever he did, really, really good stuff. A lot more to come next year as well. I thought the New Balance 1906R was super dope. Actually, barely, barely, barely missed my top five list this year because I think it's an exciting 2000s runner-esque design and I'm a huge fan of runners. I'm a huge fan of 2000s designs and uh, a really, really nice follow-up to the 2002R because the 2002 was, you know, a huge sneaker when it launched, uh, uh, what was it, last year. And the 1906 maybe didn't hit the same heights, but it's, in my opinion, in, what it, in terms of design and, and look and aesthetic, probably on the same tier. Then Joe Fresh Goods and New Balance had three very, very tastefully done pastel 993s. You had Kith and New Balance link up for a pistachio 2002 R's and a 993. Very, very, very nice pairs. And then one of your personal favorites as well, the Tom Sachs General Purpose Shoe, which is a shoe that, you know, was designed or released to constantly restock to always be in stock to not resell for a lot and uh, the whole concept behind that was really nice and obviously the shoe is i mean it's a very normal plain looking shoe but in a good way i would say so those are some honorable mentions i could think of uh you know real quick yeah uh i forgot to mention the tom Sachs when i did my video too but yeah you're right like i like how tom Sachs said that he would make the shoe as as widely available as possible, unlike previous collabs, and he did that. Uh, very low resale on these because of the amount of quantity available. So I liked it, and it's a pretty good-looking shoe. <coughs> Excuse me, guys, fighting a bit of a cold here. Um, but uh, also, I wanted to mention Joe Fresh Goods had a really big year. A lot of amazing collabs he put off a New Balance. I thought either the 993 could have easily made this list or also the 9060s were really were well done. And uh, also, yeah, I can't not talk about this man this year. We're talking about Teddy Santis. I thought he was incredible what he did with his made in usa line because we talked about it on the pod he made these shoes look like stand out enough from the gr new balances while at the same time not looking like emilio Andor sneakers uh really great collapse really really great uh great colorways if there was one that really stood out to me it was the amethyst purple 90 990 v3s so yeah i had to mention that as well but yeah, I mean, we can just get into our top five uh, right now. Do you want to kick it off or should I kick it off? I'll kick it off uh, with a little drum roll. My fifth placed sneaker of the year is the Stussy Nike Air Max 2013 pink colorway. And at this point, I will say I am aware that the pink colorway is probably a little bit more controversial than the model itself. I know that you're a big fan of it. I know that a lot of other people are a big fan of the hemp colorway, that really nice kind of beige gray pair that uh, has been used, or that colorway and that material has been used on some of Stussy and Nike's other collaborations. But for me, as soon as I saw this pink colorway, whether it was on the feeds or you know on the blogs in the uh, campaign imagery, product imagery, for me that was like, damn, this is a must-have shoe because it's different. It's a 
crazy colorway, something that you wouldn't really expect to see from such a collaboration, which I think makes it really cool. And it's also something that is on the one hand hard to wear and hard to combine, but on the other hand, pretty easy if you keep the rest of your fit subdued, right? If you're wearing all black or like very solid colors and then you got to pop a pink, it works really well. And I'm just I'm just a big fan of Nike Stussy. I think a lot of sneakers that they've dropped over the last few years have been really good. I mean, obviously the Air Force One is an all-time great collaboration. They re-released the Harachis. They had um, some of the other sneakers that, you know, like the Air Penny 2s, for example, recently, and some of the other shoes that or models that are not so popular. And the Air Max 2013 was a bit of a left field choice, in my opinion. It was a sneaker that not everybody had on their radar. You know, it was a cool shoe back in, you know, 2013 when it released. It had the, you know, heel to toe Air Max visible cushion. It's a super comfortable shoe too. And to bring that back was basically a statement of intent saying like, yo, we're here to make waves, collaborate on different sneakers, models that might not be expected and kind of do our own thing. And that's what Stussy has been all about since the beginning. So I respect that a lot. Um, and yeah, I have a little personal connection to the shoe as well. Um, which is basically when I was living in New York, I used to go to Nike town all the time. I think it was on like 54th street or 50, 53rd, something like that. Midtown definitely. And I used to just look at everything there, man. I would go through the basketball section, the running section, the football section, the soccer section, and by not that much, obviously, on a student salary, on a student income, uh, I couldn't afford most of the stuff there. But I do remember when the Air Max 2013s came out and uh, that, that all black colorway with the fly wire and the fly knit top. Super, super nice shoe. I actually picked up a pair. Those were expensive back in the day. I mean, still are quite expensive. And so this one struck a bit of a personal chord with me. And when I saw that these were coming out, I was like, damn, I really need to have them. I actually wanted all three colorways, but then I settled for the one that I thought was the most me, which um, which was the pink one. Interesting shoe, man. Interesting shoe to put on the list for sure. Yeah, I mean, Stussy has, you're right, they've been doing this forever, collaborating on not so well-known models. And I mean, I think I thought it was just an amazing year for that brand. Like uh, not just their not their, just their shoes, their clothing too. I mean, if you go on TikTok, it's like that's all the TikTokers are wearing, all the Instagram um the Instagram algorithms, that's what I keep seeing. So maybe maybe that's just my algorithm, but I feel like Stussy has been such a popular brand over the last couple of years. And yeah, they're, they've been killing it with the uh, with the sneaker collabs as well. So I thought uh, I thought it was a good pick. I thought they had some really good collabs with uh, Converse this year as well. Uh, but yeah, Stussy definitely, I think, should be on the list. Uh, my uh, number five on my list was the Louis Vuitton Nike collab. And yeah, I mean, uh, I debated whether or not to even put these shoes on the list because of how unobtainable they are. And I kind of have an issue sometimes with putting like collabs or sneakers that, you know, are so limited, are so uh, expensive. I don't know if they should be on these kind of lists, but I had to definitely include these because I felt like this was the epitome 
of Virgil Abloh. This was like the peak of what he was able to achieve because this is such an iconic collab, man. Louis Vuitton and Nike, one of the biggest luxury houses in the world doing a collab with a sportswear brand. You just never thought you would see something like that. And I thought the execution was amazing. Yeah, it definitely took a lot from those, like, I guess, like uh, bootleg culture. Um, but either way, I thought the execution was amazing. So many crazy colorways. I've said it before. My new ultimate grail is definitely the white pair from that collection. I don't think I'll ever be able to uh, buy that pair, but that's what grails are to me. A grail, is, a grail is a shoe that's really hard to obtain. So that white Air Force One can get it out of my mind. Amazing collab. And, and this collab would have only been possible because of Virgil Abloh. So I feel like his legacy will live on forever through this collab. And I thought it was disrespectful not to mention this collab on the list. So yeah, Louis V, Nike Air Force One, number five for me. That's actually, I mean, I think that's a really good pick. I've seen it on a lot of blogs as well. I think Complex had it pretty high. I think they even had it as their best sneaker of the year um, total. What I would ask you at this point, because I find it interesting that you say that, you know, it's the, the pinnacle of collaboration, right? So I guess I have two questions. Part one would be, does the fact that Nike, and I guess it was technically Jordan brand, right? But does it? Does it devalue it a little bit that Nike already collaborated with Dior on the Jordan 1, right? Because that was the first big luxury brand, sportswear brand collaboration, at least of the last few years, right? I mean, there have been big uh, collaborations like that in the past if you go back into the archives. But in terms of like modern day sneaker culture, that was the big first one. And does that devalue the fact that, or does that devalue the Louis V. Nike collection? Because it's just another one of those collections, just like Adidas had Balenciaga, Prada, and Gucci. So that's part one. And then part two is, if this is the pinnacle, which I agree with you, like a, a Louis V Air Force One is pretty, pretty, pretty high up there. But then where do these brands go next, right? Like, how do you even top that? How do you build on that? I'm not sure it's going to be topped, to be honest. Like, like what else can be done, right? Like, uh... I don't know, uh, a Nike and like, oh, what's even better than that? The, the, this, like, they might continue that relationship with Louis V and do different silhouettes, different models, but I'm not sure you can actually top that, man. That's why I think like that's going to be the peak of collaborations. And I, I do, going back to your first question, yeah, it does devalue it a little bit, not being the first uh, high-end luxury collaborator with Nike. And I feel like almost the Dior collab received a lot more press, a lot more hype. Also, I think they were just a bit more obtainable in general. There were a lot more pairs of those. So, like, if you were to rank, like, all-time high-end luxury collabs with Nike, I would maybe even put the Dior's higher just because uh, I've seen those many times in public. I've actually seen people wearing them. I have, I've never seen someone wearing a, um, a uh, Louis V Air Force One in public. And uh, yeah, so I just felt like they were more achievable for sneakerheads. And it was because it was the first, it was a lot more like noteworthy. So it does like drag it down a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I just don't see how they top it, man. Like 
without Virgil too, without Virgil's creative mindset and putting in those insane uh, colorways on the Air Force One that he did, I just don't see how Nike could possibly top that. You think they're going to top it? No, I agree with you. I think that it would it would be hard to top it in terms of that silhouette is so iconic, right? Like I would argue that, I mean, maybe this is a hot take, right? But the Air Force One is probably just as iconic or even more iconic than the Air Jordan 1, right? In certain respects. But yeah, so so the shoe itself cannot be topped. Nike doesn't have any better shoes or many better shoes. And if they did another one of these luxury collaborations, such as Adidas has done, it makes the previous ones lose a bit of their glow or a little bit of their specialness because it's just one of a bunch, right? Like, let's say Nike ends up doing something with Gucci, with Prada, with Balenciaga, with Xenia, with whoever, right? And they've got like a bunch of these now for the next like three, four years. Then it's not really going to be this special thing anymore. You're going to expect it every year, every season, Nike to collaborate with one of these luxury houses. So yeah, I think that it's going to be very, very hard to top it. I don't think they will. And if they're smart, they'll just kind of leave it as is, right? And say, you know what? We did the Air Force One. We did the Air Jordan One. And that's it. We're not doing it again. That's So for number four, I have the same model as you, but different collaborator. It is the Slam Jam Nike Air Force One. And my goodness, is this a beautiful shoe. I mean, I've already said it. I'm a big fan of the Air Force One. Huge, huge fan of just the triple whites. Um, I have not had a pair for a while, but there was a time where I, would, where I would have two or three in the rotation, each one a little more or less beat than the other so that I could decide which one to wear for you know specific occasions. I would have the super beat one, which I would wear when it's raining. I'm going to the gym, whatever. I would have the nearly dead stock pair that I'd wear you know, if I'm going out or going on a date or something like that. And then I would have the semi-beat pair, which would be like, you know, going to work or going to work function where I, you know, want to look good, but I don't want to look too good. Um, so yeah, big, big fan of that shoe. And a huge, huge fan of Slam Jam collaborations because they always go all out when it comes to quality, when it comes to material selection. I mean, they had the blazer highs, they had the Nike Dunk Highs as well. And those were, I have the Dunk Highs and the quality leather on those. I have never seen a Dunk that had this level of quality. I mean, I'm telling you, it's so comfortable. Butter soft leather straight out of the box. Super, super nice. Um, and I've heard that the Blazers, I don't have them personally, but the attention to detail there, the materials, everything is on point there as well. And I mean, you basically have come to expect it with Slam Jam and Nike. And that was the case as well with the Air Force Ones. The quality was great. The different materials they used as well. You have different paneling on the upper. You've got like this really cool, like rough mesh paneling on the quarter panel. Then you've got like a sail toe box. You've got this re- like this off-white uh, proper toe box as well with the Slam Jam perforations. You've got a Slam Jam and Nike swoosh branding on the tongue tags. You've got the Nike Air upside down on the heel. So there's so many details that went into this, so many different materials. You've got like a nice gray suede as well on the swoosh and the heel tab. It's just, it's just an amazing shoe. It's an amazing collaborator. And I feel like it's 
a project that went under the radar for a little bit because I was able to cop these the next day when they dropped. They were still available in a full-size run on Slam Jam's site. I think later on they sold out. They also sold out on Nike sneakers, but it took them a while to sell out. And yeah, I mean, you can't get any better than a triple white pair of Air Force Ones that have been slightly tweaked and upgraded in materials because it's special. This is a shoe that not many people will have. People will recognize it as an Air Force One, as a, as a triple white Air Force One, but they won't really recognize it at first glance. And then when they take a closer look and they see the details, they'll be like, oh, this is different. What is this? Or you know, if they know what it is, they'll be like, oh, damn, I didn't even realize these are the Slam Jam Air Force Ones. So yeah, that is my pick number four. Super nice pair. Also, a very late release. They dropped in December. So um, very, very late addition to the list, to my top five, but also very happy that they made it and super, super happy that I got a pair. Yeah, those are nice. I feel like you really need to see them in person to appreciate them because there's a lot of little details that you can't really tell in pictures, but I think in in hand, yeah, those are those are really nice. I figured they'd be on your list, man, because I knew how much you uh, how much you love those shoes. Uh, for me, number four, I went with the uh, Travis Scott Jordan One Low a Reverse Mocha, and I know how much you hate these shoes, uh, but uh, I'm a big fan. I've said it before. I'm a big fan of all of the Travis Scott Lows. I love how they do them in a true OG form. So if you guys are comparing Jordan 1 lows with each other, you'll notice that it's pretty much only the Travis Scott Jordan 1 lows that are getting the real OG treatment, meaning like it has a total of eight lace loops in there instead of seven. Most of the Jordan 1 quote unquote OGs come with seven lace loops. So this one has like the true... Yeah, so the, so I definitely had to include these because I'm a big fan of this shoe in general. It's a really nice looking shoe and I've owned the first two colorways that I've dropped so far, the Fragments and the first one, the Mocha. Really, really wanted the reverse Mocha as well. Pretty shocked uh, how high the resale prices went up to uh, because when the OGs dropped, I remember I paid 500 to get them for resale. And now this reverse mocha pair is like more than like well more than double that. So uh, that's why I didn't I didn't I didn't feel like it was worth that kind of price, especially because it's just a Jordan one low with a reverse swoosh. So I didn't end up paying resale for it. But I did think that really nice colorway of this shoe and it should probably it deserves to be on the list, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you're right about me not being a fan of these shoes. I think I've said it enough on this podcast, so I'm not going to go too much into that. But I 100% respect the fact that you put these on your list um, and respect the reasons you gave for putting them on the list. I think that it makes sense. And, you know, that's what they're made for, right? They're made for people to appreciate them. So I'm glad that you do. And I'm sure that there's countless other people that really, really like this shoe. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that. Moving on to our top three. So drum roll, please. Um, my third pick for this year's top five sneakers of the year is the Pata New Balance 990 V3. So I originally had the Jound 990 V3 on my list when we did this in June, right, for the half-year list. 
And I had to replace them with the Pata New Balance because I was a huge fan of the messaging behind this release. It was all about family first, you know, putting, you know, your family above others, family and friends is the most important thing. And as much as I love the Jown 990 V3s and I'm a big, big fan of the shoe, they were a little bit monotone for me. And I know that that's Jown's thing and I respect it and they do it well and it works and people like it. I like it too. But the Pata New Balance 990 V3 had that like hint of slime green in there, that like really bright green, which I loved. And that made the difference for me because it was a very simple shoe. It was almost... I mean, not identical. I think it was more of an olive khaki color rather than a dark green forest green, but very similar to the Jowns, except for that one difference, which is the um, the slime green or the hits of like really, really bright green. And so I got a pair. And then there's another reason that these are my favorites, or at least my favorite New Balance of this year. It's because these are the shoes that I bought for myself and for Lenny, my son. Um, and I remember, you know, you guys will remember this. I told the story in that episode. I actually was not able to get his size that he has now or will have in a few months. I had to get a size that he won't have until he's two or two, two and a half years old. So I'll probably have to wait a few uh, years before we can both wear them at the same time. But it's going to give me definitely some motivation to keep mine fresh, keep mine looking good so that when we're both wearing them, we're both looking fly, obviously. But um, I don't think that will be too hard considering how many sneakers I have and uh, how often I wear different pairs. But yeah, basically this shoe was very, very special to me from a personal point of view, but also because I really like the aesthetic. I like the messaging behind it. I like the fact that Pata used friends, family, and their kids in this campaign and the imagery. It all felt really personal. And I know that the guys at Pata, the team at Pata, but also the brand really stands for community and for family. And so to see that come through in a release like this was just super nice for me. And obviously, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm turning into this walking, talking cliche, always talking about how I'm a dad, blah, blah, blah. But like, it does change your outlook on life a little bit, you know, and uh, that's only natural, and I think it has made me see certain releases in a different light and has made certain releases more special than they might have been, you know, two, three years ago. I think three, four years ago, the shoe, I would have liked it because it's a New Balance. I would have liked the colorway, but I wouldn't have really, the the storyline or the campaign wouldn't really have resonated with me. So um, definitely, you know, I'm a changed man, and I, yeah, basically, I just want to say I really, really like this release, but I'm babbling, so I want to throw to you, JD, what was your third pick for the top five this year? So I also have a pair of 990s, 990v3s, actually, on the list at number three, and that is the Jound 990v3s, the olive colorway, of course, I'm not talking about the Montreal exclusive brown colorway. But I had to have those at number three. For me, easily the best New Balance pair this year. I know people people like to say that, you know, we maybe put too much attention on Jound. Jound is a bit overhyped. Uh, I disagree a bit there because even though all they're doing is throwing on colorways on a sneaker, they, they're never, you know, changing the, the materials. They're never really changing the designs of the shoe. They're usually just throwing on new colorways. It somehow works. That's what Jown's brand is all about. 
and they're just so good at it. Their colorways look so much better than GR colorways, and uh, they managed to, with all their collabs, especially this one, with all their collabs, they're um, uh, giving us these colorways that they're wearable, yet they're just so beautiful to look at at the same time. And um, Jound has just had a really good run of collabs now, not just with New Balance, with Asics, Reebok. They're just establishing themselves as one of the best collaborators out there. And this pair right here for me, easily the best New Balance that dropped this year. Let's just go, let's just go through the list uh, quickly. So let's move on to number two. Give me your number two. All right, my number two is the only sneaker in my top five that was in my top five when we did the half-year report. It is the End Solomon XT Wings 2 Sirocco. Beautiful shoe. I spoke about it at length in the episode from June. I think June-July was when it came out. And raved about the colorway, the colors used. And what I really like about this shoe is that we all know Solomon is having a moment. We all know Solomon is having an amazing run of the last few years. And this year was the year that they really hit the mainstream, hit the general release hype. And, you know, people were really enjoying the shoes for what they are, which is great, durable sneakers. But it's usually always the X-T5 and the X-T4, uh, sorry, the X-T4 and the X-T6 that get a lot of love. But the X-T Wings 2 is actually a super stealthy version of those sneakers or you know alternate sneaker to those models i think it's a lot less bulky it's smooth the upper is a lot smoother there's a lot less that you can do with color blocking perhaps on this shoe but that's also a good thing which is also why i think end went for that like very moroccan north african desert vibe inspiration on the shoe and yeah, I mean, it's it's also the only shoe in my top five that I was not able to pick up this year, but I've seen it live a couple times. I actually saw it twice in Amsterdam on feet, and both times I was like, damn, I definitely slept on that shoe. So who knows, maybe I'm going to use a little bit of Christmas money, a little bit of New Year's cash to uh, pick up a pair because... Like I said, it's the only one of the five sneakers on my list this year that I did not pick up myself, but it is a good one. And I think it kind of encapsulates a lot of things, right? End is a great collaborator. They do a lot of, similar to Stussy, they do a lot of collaborations that you really wouldn't expect. They, they collaborate with Adidas Special. They collaborate with CP Company, with Needles, um, and really have very, very tasteful collaborations, very tasteful designs, very tasteful colorways. And the XT Wings 2 is no different. So if you are not familiar with this pair, do yourself a favor, check it out, Google it. Take, take a look at some photos, check the price on StockX or whatever resale website that you use because trust me, these are definitely worth it. Beautiful, beautiful shoe. Yeah, these are these got to be the Fabian special, man. I don't think I will, <laughs> will see these shoes on any other person's top five list, but that's what makes these top five lists personal, right? Like uh, it's our top five. So nice to see that you really like the shoe you even put it in your top five and wow pretty high on the list though i will say um at number two for me i had a shoe that was definitely one of my most worn and special shoes this year the gucci gazelles uh i personally uh, all just have the uh, pink colorway but you could have thrown any of those colorways on here the green one the blue one even the one with the gucci monogram all over it 
amazing collab. And what I really like about this collab is that the shoes actually look like a Gucci shoe that just happens to be an Adidas pair. And it's usually usually when you when you're doing collabs, it's always the other way around, right? Especially with designer collabs. Like uh, you look at the, uh, for example, the Adidas Balenciaga collabs. Like I didn't think there was anything special going on there, but with the oh, that was Gucci trash. One, that collaboration. I'm sorry, the Balenciaga Adidas was the definition of terrible collaboration. Whilst the Gucci Adidas was the textbook definition of a great collaboration. Which is weird, right? It's from the same brand, and yet they managed to completely mess up one of the one of the collabs. But with the Gucci pair, I thought it was amazing. I visited a Gucci showroom in in London. I saw these pairs on the floor, and I just kept thinking, "Wow, those pairs really belong in this store." Like it didn't look out of place at all. It didn't look like, "Oh, what are those Adidas sneakers doing there?" It just looked like Gucci shoes. So I thought I thought it was like a flawless collab. Both of the pairs, both of the brands, I'm sorry, stayed very true to themselves and managed to produce a collab that fits in both the vibes. Both of the brands like ethos really well. That 70s, very heavily 70s inspired colors, the marketing behind it. I really loved it, man. A great collab and and uh I it was the most money I had ever spent on a shoe to add to my own collection and I thought it was worth it. Great pair. Gucci Gazelles. I'm gonna wear it for a long time. Uh I had to have those a number two, man. One one hundred percent I think two. that Oh no, sorry, go ahead. Real real quick, one hundred percent I think that you hit the nail on the head there. Um perfect. They didn't look out of place. I think what happened with the Balenciaga Adidas was that it looked a little bit gimmicky, right? Like you would look, you would see them and know straight away, oh, this is a collab. Oh, these look like, or, you know, these look like knockoffs or it's just a branding exercise for the both of them, right? Let's slap some three stripes on these popular Balenciaga sneakers. But with Gucci Adidas, like you said, the vibe fit, everything fit, the 70s aesthetic, the campaign imagery was top. I think... The colorway that you bought, that like really nice pink purple colorway, beautiful. I've seen it on a couple of other people on Instagram, and it's just it's just a shoe that fits the collaborators so perfectly. So um, I'm very very glad that you put this at number two. I think if I had gone with a list of things that maybe I didn't cop myself, but t- talking about overall reception, whether the collaboration worked, whether the shoe worked, whatever, I probably definitely would have had the Gucci gazelles on my list. Now we have rounded up our first four. We are now at our number one. But before we go into number ones, we are going to round up what we have so far so that you guys don't forget our picks. So at number five, Josh had the Louis Vuitton Nike Air Force One. I had the Stussy Nike Air Max 2013 Pink. At number four, Josh had the Travis Scott Reverse Mocha Air Jordan 1 Low, um, and I had the Slam Jam Nike Air Force 1. Then at number three, Josh had the Jound 990 V3 New Balances, and I had the Pata 990 V3 New Balances. At number two, you just heard, Josh had the Gucci Gazelles, and I had the end Solomon XT Wings to Sirocco. So that rounds up the first four picks. And now on to the grand finale, number one. I'll go first. This was my ultimate pair this year. I have a nice 
hunting story behind it. And my number one, I'm just going to come out and say it, was the Asics FN3S Gel Cayano 28 in the pink and green colorway. That is a mouthful. It is a tongue twister. Try saying that five times fast. I've tried it before. I cannot. But yes, this was my ultimate favorite shoe of the year. And I... Don't know why, but I'm just always drawn to these Kiko Asics renditions of popular sneakers, right? So this is Kiko's version of the Gel Cayano 28, right? Called the N the FN3S. And he basically takes that the Gel Cayano 28 is pretty modern design, right? But he takes this modern design and he gives its own twist to it, which is beautiful. It's actually a women's shoe designed by his women's designer team. And all three colorways that dropped were amazing. I mean, they had this like khaki blue pair, then they had like a blue yellow pair and a pink green pair. And I just, I really love the pink green pair. And as soon as I saw these shoes, I knew I had to have them. I mean, I'm sure we all know that feeling, right? You see a pair of shoes, you see something, right? You see col- uh, pictures of it, you see a teaser, you see a preview and you're like, damn, this has caught my eye. I can't stop thinking about it. I need it. And that was the case with these shoes. The fact is, though, that a lot of stores bought these shoes in women's size runs. And in Asics, I wear a 43, sometimes even 43 and a half. My usual size is 42, 42 and a half. And some stores had a 42, but I knew I would never fit into these shoes. So I was looking, 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 and I couldn't find any stores that had my size in Asics. So I basically gave up on these shoes when they dropped and said, you know what, I'm not going to have these, but I can appreciate them. They're one of those shoes that like, you know, the ones that got away a little bit. We did an episode on that as well, if you want to go back and listen to that. And then a couple months later after release, I basically saw these shoes in my size on a retailer that I'd never heard of and they were 50% off. So I basically got my shoe of the year two months after release for half price, which I mean, that's just I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like that's a crazy story. It makes me like the shoe a little bit more as well, um, which is almost impossible considering how much I'm raving about it right now. But I just, I really love it. It's so comfortable. It's it's flashy. And obviously, you know, my number five was the uh, Stussy Nike Air Max 2013 pink. I'm a big fan of flashy colorways. And yeah, this Asics, I mean, I feel like Asics was a little bit underrated this year as well. You know, you had the Jown Gel Kiano 14s. I feel like the Gel Kiano 14 was also one of the shoes of the year in terms of like general release um, models or silhouettes. You see them everywhere in Berlin and you see them everywhere on Instagram as well. And so I just want to show some love to Asics here with my top pick, show some love to Kiko Kostadinov and his team. And show some love to the Gel Cayano 28, a super, super comfortable shoe. Wow, man. You really went completely out of left field with your number one. Uh, that's that's crazy, man. Like, I mean, this is a great pair. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and Kiko and Asics, it's about time that, you know, they got their shine. And they're, they've always been getting their shine on this pod, especially from you. And yeah, man, it's a great pair. It's a, it's a great looking pair. That green colorway I thought was the best colorway as well. And this is also why people listen to our pod, man. We got some crazy takes. And I'm this not saying true. this is a crazy take, but I'm saying, wow, I've never seen this shoe on other people's list, but it's on your list for a reason. You love it. It's a great looking pair. And you even managed to get a 50% off, man. 
shoe of the year 50% off when does that ever happen so congratulations Never, on that copy. 2022 that's when it happens <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably 2023 as well man looking at how the sneaker resale industry is going uh probably we'll be able to get a lot of shoes of the year for 50% off next year let's see but uh for me number one the shoe of the year um it really just came down to this pair because of everything attached to it and also i'm going to talk a little bit more about what the shoe means also for the brand i'm talking about the jordan one lost and found that was (laughs) i just realized that in my notes i wrote down josh and found (laughs) (laughs) okay um yeah the the jordan one lost and found was my uh, sneaker of the year and for for obvious reasons we have been waiting for like a decade for Jordan brand to do this. And they've been, you know, teasing us. They've been giving us the same colorway in like 20 different mid versions. They've been giving us the colorway in low tops. They've been kind of like giving us the colorway in high top versions as well, but not exactly. And even everyone's just been like, when are you just going to drop the Chicago's? And they finally did that this year. And I like what they did to it too, you know, giving that whole vintage aesthetic to it with the mismatch box, with the crack leather on the upper. Um, <coughs> uh, one of the dominating storylines of the of that release was a lot of people getting moldy pairs, but it turned out to be less than one percent of pairs. So I mean, it's a very minor amount of sneakers that got that issue. And uh, I thought I thought it would definitely deserve the number one spot. I- I've been waiting to cop myself a pair of Chicago's for a long time. Finally got them. Very happy with it. Pretty decent quality, at least on my pair. And. I wanted to say, like, I feel like now that these have released, I'm like, is the Jordan one now officially dead? And the reason I'm asking you that is because I personally feel as someone who collects sneakers, now that I finally got these Chicago's, I'm like, I really don't need any other Jordan ones. Like, I'm looking at all these colorways coming out next year, like the Panda, High Top. There's a couple of other nice colorways, too, but I'm just like... I really don't need any more Jordan 1s anymore. That, that, that's just how I feel about that model at this point because we've been getting bombarded with colorways for the last five years. And now that we got the ultimate colorway, I'm just like, what do I need other with Jordan 1s for anymore? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we've actually discussed this in a previous episode, right? And I, I would say my answer remains the same. I don't think the Jordan 1 can ever be dead just because of what it means to sneaker culture, the status that it has as basically the shoe that kickstarted modern day sneaker collecting and sneaker culture. But you are right. There have been way too many Jordan 1 releases, just like there have been way too many Nike Dunk releases, like there have been way too many whatever releases, right? So the Jordan 1 definitely needs to take a break. It definitely needs to go into hibernation mode, maybe for, I don't know, a year, a year and a half, Maybe no big collaborations or no, you know, OG colorways anymore. Just give it a rest and then it'll come back. It'll be bigger, better than ever. And people will have a newfound appreciation for it because I think people are getting a little bit too numb to this sneaker model, um, which is a shame because like I said, it's one of the most iconic shoes of our culture and has such an important place in sneaker history. So definitely agree with you that there is some Nike Air Jordan 1 fatigue and the best remedy for that is for Nike to just put it on ice for a little bit. 
I agree, but I, I doubt they will do that. And, and I think that was part of the reason why they've taken so long to give us the Chicago colorway. Because I think a lot of people probably, <laughs> I'm just guessing here, but I'm thinking a lot of people felt the same way. Like once you get the Chicago's, you're good with Jordan 1's. And that's kind of how I feel right now with uh, finally getting myself a pair of the Chicago's. But we'll see. We'll see. You don't know what's going to happen next year. But, I mean, guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Not just this podcast, but basically all year round. <coughs> well, sorry, guys. I'm, I know you don't want to hear me coughing, but it's cold as hell in Toronto. I managed to catch a cold while I'm here and I'm trying to record this with my cold. So excuse the voice as well. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this pod and for supporting us all year round. You guys have been amazing. uh, And and, uh, we've really appreciated all the nice comments, all the nice feedback, all of the nice reviews we've gotten on Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, So just wanted to keep you guys in the loop for next year. So one one change that we discussed for next year is that we are going to start having a few guests on the pod. Uh, these are going to be guests from the sneaker industry. It could be some YouTubers that you guys might know, but we do have quite a few connections in the sneaker industry, and we're we're going to definitely be having some guests on the pod. So season three of the Kickback Pod will be bigger and better than ever. So thank you guys so much uh, for listening in, and I hope you guys look forward to it. I know I definitely am. And um, I just also wanted to say I wish you guys the very best 2023. Yeah, for sure. Also, for me, thank you very much for listening. Big, 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 big appreciation from both of us. Um, I mean, I think we wouldn't have as much fun with the podcast without you listeners, without the feedback, without you guys telling us what you thought about each episode, without you guys interacting with us. I would go so far as to say that we would probably still do a podcast even if we had no listeners just because it's fun for Josh and I to talk about sneakers every two weeks. But it definitely helps that there are people listening, that there are people who care about what we have to say, and there are people who like to share their opinions with us because that's what it's all about, right? Not just Josh and I talking to each other about sneakers, but us talking to you guys about sneakers and what's happening in the industry. And that's why as well, as Josh said, we want to bring in some guests next year. I'm obviously going to be on parental leave, so you'll probably hear my voice a little bit less than usual, but um, JD will hold it down strong, and we'll get in some fun guests to share their points of view on whatever happens in 2023, but also on uh, sneaker culture in general, maybe some people that you haven't heard of yet, and you can kind of get to know them, whatever they do, whether it's YouTube, whether it's something in the industry, whether they're just you know fans like we are. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be a big year. I'm very excited for season three. Um, you know what they say, season three is always going to be bigger than season two, which was already bigger than season one. So, um, the only way is up and, uh, very excited. Thank you all for listening. And JD, thank you to another stellar year of the kickback pod. Yeah. Thank you, Fab. I didn't, I didn't mention it, but you already know, man, major appreciation to you. I know like this year, huge year in your life man uh you you had a new addition to your family little lenny and so thank you so much still for making the time to do the podcast i really appreciate it the listeners really appreciate it and yeah man thank you so much uh thanks once again guys we'll catch you in the new year peace peace